Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is a place where we go to the shoebox under the bed or in the attic or in the spare room and investigate its contents as we consider picture postcards and explore what it is that causes us to keep hold of these precious cardboard rectangles. And each time I welcome two guests and it's their postcards that act as small clues to direct us towards memories, mysteries and doubtless stories. I'm Tom Jackson and I'm delighted to say that today my guests are writer Susie Boyd and a man who has made it his mission to make us consider the possibilities of garden sheds, Andrew Wilcox. Andrew and Susie, welcome to Podcast from the Past. Hello. Thank you. Now, um, Andrew Wilcox works as a web developer by day but since 2007, he's been running the Shed of the Year competition. Um, I can't think of a nobler endeavour. Uh, and celebrating sheds and what you can do with them. And Andrew joins us today with a CF40 postmark. Is that right? Approximately, yes. <laughs> so where's that? Well, that postmark is from my spiritual home, which is uh, Blankledech in Tonopandi, where... Not related to the postcards, but it's the first time I ever experienced a garden shed. Oh, really? Oh, gosh, this yeah. is a seminal place for you. What, what, yes. was, what was the story? Whose shed was that? It was my uh, grandfather Glynn's allotment, oh. and he had a couple of sheds, him and his, the old, old geezers, and there was an amazing space. It was a brilliant place to go as a child and learn how to garden and just talk a lot of rubbish for a few hours. <laughs> but in a sociable way. Yes, and and so did, did did that childhood experience of sheds? Did that sort of is, it, is there an unbroken line between that and your endeavours now? Or was it, was there a rediscovery of sheds? It was a rediscovery about tw- twenty odd years later when I was looking for a garden shed online, and I was thinking, no, these aren't sheds; these aren't the sheds I remember as a child. So oh. yeah, that was that was the moment that I thought, wait a minute, let's look for proper sheds, and that's right. that's that's. That's the start of this mad journey I've had for the last 20 years. So this is, this is a journey that can't end because you're looking for sheds that, you know, the sheds of our pasts, they can ne- you can never go back to them. Of course, but every shed evolves and every shed evolves and it's, well, hopefully it'll be carried on after, after I'm long gone. You started something. You started <laughs> something you can't finish. Is there a sense that a shed is somewhere where you can really, really be your sort of true self? Yes, I think so. Yeah, my grandfather used to eat. My grandmother never knew he smoked, but he always used to smoke in the shed, little rollies. And uh, mm. I didn't. I didn't when I was uh, nine or ten. But um, glad to hear it. Yeah, you know, but you know they had a little stove. Uh, There's a brew uh, coffee and bovril, and it was brilliant. It's. Um, I don't really think about it that much, and this has given me the, you know, it'll, it'll appear in my in the back of my head every now and again. But uh, it's yeah, it started a started something really special very good i've, I've often sort of observed on in, in this podcast that so many of the the things we end up pursuing or being excited about start really very early in our lives yeah and you know he's he was alive until his his 90s and uh he was still you know, he was a former miner he uh 
And then he, he, up until his late eighties, he was still working in the factory, helping out, brushing up. And you know, he's really? he was a great man. And uh, you know, but yeah, it was the sheds that you know. I wish he'd seen you know seen this. He probably would have given it short shift, but um, <laughs> you know, oh, I think he would have been very proud of it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, I hope, I hope he would have. <laughs> it, it is impossible to impress your family as. Life has shown us all, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And it does, that doesn't stop us trying, though, does it? <laughs> no. It makes us try. <laughs> yeah. Now, Andrew, do you still send postcards? I still collect postcards if I go somewhere. You know, where I used to work you know, in, my, in my day job. I used to work around the country, and I'd, if I saw a nice postcard, I'd pick one up. But no, yes. I, haven't sent, I haven't sent a letter for about oh, I've, oh, 10 years. I, I get a, a letter off my mother every two weeks <laughs> since, since the lockdown. Yes, right. and mostly That's it's the yeah it's the most mostly it's the it's the conversation we had the week before on the phone. But you know it's um, yeah, and I, I quite enjoy read, read, you know enjoy reading them. It's, it's yes, it's, that's funny. So I think that's quite unusual. Yeah, well, it's she, lovely. You know, during the first lockdown, you know, she only you know she doesn't live that far from me. But you know, we were both in isolation, and she, she just got you know, she got to writing some letters. So I, I, I bought a, a load of uh, uh, nice envelopes and nice writing paper, and sent got those sent to her. And uh, I think she really enjoyed it. She used it, she used it as a, her escape, really, of from uh, from the lockdown. Excellent. Oh, that's fair. Does she, really ever, does she ever enclose? Does she ever enclose a fifty pence piece? <laughs> I, I did. I did have a check for my birthday last year. So, oh, that's very <laughs> there you go. No, no, you know, not not a record token or a book token or you know. But, uh, <laughs> Hang on a minute. You can't. You can't stop stipulating what you want as a gift. To you. <laughs> I'm, fi- I'm, fi- I'm fifty this birthday, so hopefully she'll send me a, you know, you know, some something decent like a, a record token. Yeah. Yeah. Or you a Rolls Royce. Your poor old soul. <laughs> <laughs> now, Susie Boyd is a writer whose work includes journalism, um, memoir, memorably. Um, her My Judy Garland Life is a wonderful meditation on entertainment, compassion, glamour, uh, tracing a complicated and uncertain yellow brick road through her own life. Um, and her latest novel... Uh, Loved and Missed, which is pretty new, as we're recording this today, um, is a tough, funny, sweet story of love and addiction um, and more love. Um, Susie comes to us today with a it's a rather exotic uh, postmark, I can see, NY10036. Have I got that right? Yes, it's just um, sort of Broadway in general. I'm one of those... <laughs> soppy souls who grew up thinking that um, show business is the highest calling and and, um, so I've always got my sights on Broadway even if I'm doing the dishes or um, picking up children from school and I've got a quite a sort of active inner chorus girl who I feel that would have been my if I could have done anything that would have been my first choice. But you but you're not in show business you're a writer. But you I know this this tension how does this tension how do you deal with I suppose you deal with it by writing but well, I suppose um, there are parallels between writing and performing, um, particularly in terms of characterization, making a bringing a character to light, making them believable, um, making people uh, invested in uh, what the character does, and that sort of thing. I think I think that is quite like acting. So, plus, and you know, when you do um, literary festivals and that kind of thing, there's a it's quite good in a way because if you're an actor or a chorus girl, people have very high um, expectations in terms of performance. But if you're a if you're a writer, if you could manage any sort of show business at all, people think it's absolutely amazing. So it right. sets the bar nice and low, which is very smart, a great yes. a great advantage. Yeah, she was great for a writer. <laughs> quite, quite. I'm very, very happy with that. But it's a, but this it's a, this this thing about show business being the highest calling. This this finds its its focus in your Judy Garland obsession or your, your well, yes, obsession, I think. Mm. Yes, I, I, I grew up um, feeling very, very influenced by her, I think in part because um, I was a very sensitive child and I was always told that I had an indecent amount of feelings and also that I expected too much from people. 
and that I had to sort of um, get my feelings in check or I wasn't going to have a happy life, which is quite a wow. severe thing to be told when you're about five. Gosh. And um, when, when I heard Judy Garland uh, in no way hiding or being embarrassed or ashamed of her strong feelings, but by communicating pure, unadulterated feeling as if it was pretty much the best thing in life, there was a tremendous sort of smash of fellow feeling. And I, and I felt that instead of my highly emotional nature being laughable and a bit tragic, that it, that it might be the making of me. And that was a, a wonderful message to receive as a small child who nobody quite knew what to do with. And it's this sort of emotional directness that she had in her performances? Yes, and, and which sort of by definition is the antithesis of cool, which any yeah. very strong feeling will be. But um, yes, I think that the she gave me a sense as a child that to be the person in the room with the most feelings might make you the best person rather than the biggest idiot. And, and that was that was just what I want, needed to hear right then. You do you do describe her performances very well. And I, when I was reading the early bits, actually, it reminded me of stuff I've seen Judy Garland. I'm not a Judy Garland fan by any means. But I mean, Nobody's I, perfect. No, no. <laughs> though she is one of my top three entertainers from Minnesota. Um, OK, with Prince and who's the third one? Bob Dylan. OK. Three, 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 actually three great entertainers in, in their own way, I think. Absolutely. So there's, there's, there's something in the weather up there. But this, I think um, her later sort of tragic performances are, are well documented and, and people have written a lot about them. But I think you capture the this kind of absolute exuberance and the sort of emotional openness of her, of her, her earlier work really beautifully. Oh, good. I mean, she did absolutely knock her audiences out, probably unlike anyone else, you know, that her when she sang at the palace, they said that people were sort of lolling in the aisles and completely forgotten their name, that the orchestra gave her three standing ovations, even in the middle of a song, which is pretty well unheard of. And she did sort of really undo people. She said sort of rather modestly and perhaps cynically, I hurt people where they want to be hurt. But, wow. but the, the, the very, the sort of extreme power of her consoling people whilst asking for consolation herself was really... Um, extraordinary it's funny i'd not thought of it before but there is a sort of parallel with with some other sort of great singers i'm thinking of the egyptian singer um kalthum as, as i do not that often but mm. she did this she i think she had a similar effect on her on her audiences you know one crack in her voice and the audience would be sort of swooning and cheering and i, I think that maybe maybe garland had that thing where she just people focused right in on every emotional moment and and, and did it well and rooted for her so strongly and wanted her to be all right. And, I mean, often at the concerts, the the reviewers review the audiences and there's one that says um, it was like bedlam superimposed upon bedlam. And you just think, wow. what? You know, so yeah. it was... It was that also... wouldn't be a good review for many artists. <laughs> well, you don't want that of the review of the stage, but if that's the audience, you know... Yeah, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's, it's, something's happening, isn't it? Something's happening if, if, if that's the review. Mm. Um, well, Susie, when did you last send a postcard? You used to just send a postcard, but now it feels like you're sort of sending a postcard in inverted commas or in italics or something, that it's a bit ironic. Or, But I just try and send them in an ordinary way. The last one I sent was I went to uh, Chichester to see South Pacific and I stayed the night with my husband's cousin afterwards. And I hadn't had a summer holiday, so just going to Chichester for the night and staying at someone else's house was um, quite thrilling. Exactly. And I wrote a postcard the next day saying that it, that um, that it had pretty much been my summer holiday, and I and and how much I'd loved it. And just um, my husband's cousin and her husband had sort of taken me up to bed and pretty much tucked me in. And I felt like that for a moment that I don't have any parents anymore and I'm always looking for new ones. And I suddenly thought, mm, maybe these are my new mum and dad kind of thing. But so that was really nice. And then having, you know, you can know people for decades and never have breakfast with them, can't you? And yes. that was really pleasurable having breakfast with them. And so I, so I, I tried to um, show my appreciation in a postcard I wrote. Yeah. The thank you postcard, I think, is probably the, the one that still holds on. I think people still still do the thank you mm. postcard from time to time. I'm going to send thank you postcards from now on. <laughs> there, there you go. Okay. <laughs> One of the things I love most about having a party is um, waking up the next morning and um, 
hoping for the good reviews to come in and and getting <laughs> postcards in the getting postcards in the coming days. I've I've got a I've got a friend who writes such a lovely postcard that he's always on the top of my list, and he'll he'll write things like "Dear Susie, superlatives fail me" and things like that, which oh is just goodness. gorgeous to wake up to. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, look, before we hear about the cards that Susan and Andrew have brought along, um, I'll give you a quick one of mine. This is, of course, a, a, a postcard from the past card like I do on the Twitter and in my book. Um, an old card um, with a bit of a message. Not a card that I've received or a card that I've sent. It's a card that's been claimed from the storm, really, just you know, from an old box somewhere. Um, so this card is of... It's quite a nice card. It's a, it's a picture of a, a sort of big country house, I suppose, a sort of Tudor mansion by the looks of it, um, seen through some, uh, what are they, sort of little pine trees, I think, um, and, and with a bit of a sort of uh, standing pool in the front. It looks a little bit um, uh, like it's not really moving. And there's some daffodils as well. So it's a kind of interesting, interesting image. It's a J. Arthur Dixon card, famous for these rather nice sort of muted colours, sent in June 1974, a long time ago. Um, and it was sent to uh, Bishop Stoke, Eastleigh. Uh, and it's sent by someone who doesn't give their first name. Now, what was it that intrigued me about this? Let's have a look. Uh, having a wonderful holiday, enjoying every minute. My husband phoned me last night. The decorator is coming in next Monday. He tells me he has only burnt the toast twice so far. So <laughs> I think it's a sort of jocular thing, isn't it? It's saying, you know, because the wife is away, the husband's making a, 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 a hash of simple jobs like making the toast. But I just thought it was a, a, a sweet little detail. Um, plus, of course, um, you know, the, the, the problems of having decorators and everyone knows what that's like. Um, I'll do another quick one. This is a, this is a, a, a Cardorama card. Cardorama. And it's a, um, a picture of a lifeguard's sentry um, uh, in Whitehall on a nice sunny day with a bright shadow. I'd say it's taken about midday by the looks of that shadow, maybe 11 o'clock. Uh, and he's standing there fixed like a sort of waxwork. You know how they never move, they never even uh, flicker their eyes and people come up to them. Uh, and this one was sent in 1969, it's quite old, sent to Stockport in Cheshire by someone, a group of people called Barbara Stan and Howard. And, and what amused me about it, what intrigued me about this, is the way these cards can sometimes capture people's um, preoccupations at the time, things that, 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 that they're, they're thinking about. Uh, so, so it's someone from out of town come to London and says, we've walked here, we've walked there, we've walked every darn where, and we've only sat down <laughs> for an eat. So, you know, it's like you go to a city, a city we've all done city breaks, you end up, you know, sore feet. It's <laughs> having a great time and loving every minute, seen all kinds of sights, from traditional to hippies. <laughs> and I thought, that's interesting. You know, hippies are like a, a landmark in... Uh, in 1969 in London. They probably didn't have them in Stockport. Mm. So there you go. I, don't I know bet they saw... didn't have boots as tall as that in Stockport. Those are the tallest well, boots I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you see them on um, that uh, that show where they go fishing. They have shoes like that, boots like that, when they're in a like, loch yeah. or something. Waders. Yeah, waders. Yeah. That's the word, yeah. <laughs> that, well, that, post, that postcard reminds me of, you know, I used to go... Maybe once a year to London as a child. My mother, you know, I'm not a fan of the musicals, but my mother was. So we always right. used to end up going to what was the popular, you know, Starlight Express or Barnum, which I remember I enjoyed. But it's, it's not my sort of thing. But I remember standing by those guards and trying yeah. to make them laugh, and they were so good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably an unofficial tourist duty is to, is to go yes. and sort of try and say something irresponsible in front of them and. Mm. See if, but then you get the ones on the horses, and it's a little bit more scary because the horses are quite yep. big, actually. They are big. Like nowadays, it'll probably be some TikTok thing that someone will uh, try and <laughs> you, know, you know get 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 a reaction. Yeah, and in fact, every so often someone does something inappropriate there, don't they? And it all yeah. becomes a bit of a scandal in the. <laughs> Anyway, very good. Well, look, um, I should remind everybody you listening to this podcast that images of these cards are going to be on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, so you can see uh, this chap standing there in the sunlight. You can see the 
the house behind the trees and you can see that we haven't made it up. Now, um, Susie and Andrew, you've been kind enough to to do your homework, to, to dig out some cards for us to discuss today. Uh, Andrew, we're going to start with you. Um, what's the, the first card you've got for us? This looks like a classic tourist card to me. It, it is. It, we used to go to Torquay, quite, uh, I probably about six or seven times in, when I was a child. And we, I always wanted to go to the model village. Oh. There maybe there's maybe there's a slight shed thing there. I'm not sure. <laughs> that, was, that was in the background. <laughs> Little but houses. Yes, exactly. And mm. you know, the, the, you look back at these things, you know, in your subconscious. You think, oh yeah. And <laughs> I used to just love. I'm not a trained geek, but I, I am a little bit. But I used to love any you know railways. I never had a model railway, and. I just used to love looking at the railways at, at these uh, model villages because the, the details are ama- yeah, they're amazing. And um, there's quite a few uh, Twitter accounts I follow which make these model buildings. And it's, yeah, it's, very, it's a very middle-aged man thing to say, <laughs> but it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a middle-aged man, so I'm really getting into, into like, the, these people doing these models. And when I, I was going through uh, some of my stuff when I found this and I thought, oh... I don't remember that seeing that, but I remember the postcard. I remember going to Torquay, and uh, as people will see on on the sign, it's called Beaching Halt, which of course uh. I, I assume the the card was produced after the you know the Mr. Beaching's terrible cuts to the to the, the British Railways, you know, which we felt quite deeply here in Wales and. Right. Um, which, but at the time, didn't even think of that because I didn't. Even, you know, I was a child. I didn't have, <laughs> have any. I just loved the uh, the gardens and the, the 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 model village and the trains and uh, the people. There was always something happening. There was a, always a dog peeing on something. Yeah. There was always, you know, they're amazing these model villages and they still are. And uh, you know, I, I want to go 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 to see a model village now. <laughs> So this is Babacom model village. I yeah. think it was one of the most famous ones. You, yeah, you, you bought you bought this card there. I bought the card there. Yeah, and I've actually got uh, about three three other ones I found of of that of that time. And there's no date on it. I didn't write a date on the back, but it's probably about nine, 1983, 1984, right. or maybe a bit. Yeah, you know, when I was about t- I don't know, ten, eleven, I think, and. Um, one of them is is has got is like a, a modern modern buildings with all the lights on and everything like that, which I was like, oh, it's amazing. Each each one has got little lighting, you know, for the <laughs> for the time is brilliant. But this one, I love it because you've got two trains. One one was a you know, passenger train and one's a um, uh, you know a, a, is, is carrying goods. And but I still love trains. I still love model villages. I still love gardens. <laughs> so they are funny these things because I think to children particularly, there's this little stuff is, is appealing. You know, we make stuff yeah. out of Lego as a child. You have little, but then when the trains move through, you think, oh my goodness, it's alive! It, it's yeah. a kind of there's a, some <laughs> little category shift there that suddenly you're moving from what you're used to to something quite magical. Yeah, and you know, and there'd, there'd be street lights if you went, at, uh, you know, later in the in the evening, or and it, it was perfect. And sometimes there'd be music, and there'd be fair, um, merry-go-rounds, and you know, as a, it was a, you know, it, it was brilliant. And I, you know, I, oh, it's a good memory now because I, I, I had a good time. I went with my father, and uh, he wasn't that interested because I used to spend hours just wanting to stand by these little models <laughs> and, and look look at every detail and yeah. You know, but, but a good model village, I think, repays that, doesn't it? Because, as yeah. you say, there'll be a dog peeing on something or a, a fireman or a streaker on the cricket pitch or something. There'll yes. Be little things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think this village is still going. I, um, I think Babacombe's still I, going. I, was, I, I did look it up, and it seems as popular. You know, they, they haven't, you know, in this modern age, I think we all need a little model village in our lives. <laughs> well, I was, was going to say... Do you remember how big is, the actual things were? I was going to say, is it very big? But that sounds a stupid question. <laughs> I'm just trying yeah. to get a, a sense of the scale of it, particularly through a child's eyes. If would the, would yeah. the train sort of come up to your shoulder or to your knee? Or no, how, how it was, was it? no, about your, the size of your foot, I think, or wow. uh, size wow. of an adult foot, I would think. When, when the, you know, maybe okay. a little bit bigger. 
I'd never thought of it. There must be model villages of different sizes. So yes. Beckinscott, the figures might be bigger than Babacombe. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you know... <laughs> it doesn't say 1 to 12 <laughs> scale as you go through the no. door. <laughs> I remember driving past a sign on the motorway saying Model Village and the kids in the car thinking it was going to be sort of where Cape Moss and people lived. <laughs> <laughs> the final question on Model Village is, is there a Model Village in the Model Village? Um, <laughs> I think there was at some point. I think that's a rule. Yeah, and it's like sometimes, uh, like near where I live, we've got Caffilly Castle, which is big. But there's a small model of Caffilly Castle as you walk into the castle. Uh. And that, I, even now, you know, at, at, this, at my age, I, I sort of always stop and have a look and see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a, you appreciate the work that someone's done to to create these, you know, it's, it's, you know, I haven't got the patience to to make models. I used to. I, another thing I found when I was going through this postcards, I found out my membership card for the Airfix Modelers Kit Did in you? 1982, <laughs> and I, I tweeted it out, and I was like, and people were going, "Oh yeah, that's." I remember being that. I can't remember any models I made, <laughs> but I, rem I was, <laughs> I was, I was a paid-up member. <laughs> Good. I should ask, with the, you've seen a lot of sheds because of your interest in the, in the world of sheds. Have people, are there people who've put model, little model railways inside sheds? There must be. Yeah, there's, uh, I know at least a dozen. So, You're yeah, joking. there's, yes, there's. <laughs> it's a theme, there's, it's a genre. Yeah, you know, men of a certain age, you know, retired, like, get to the shed, you know, and, oh, I'll build a model, you know, and, and they'll take up, some of them take over the garden, some of them. There's a couple who, a couple of uh, chaps who've built small railways in their gardens that right. just go five, five or six feet, and it starts at their shed, and they've, one of them's built a shed on top of the, the, the railway lines, you know, former uh, railway engineer, and it's amazing because you, that, oh, it, Again, it's sheds. I'll, I'll, I could talk all day about sheds, but um, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But, but the <laughs> it's it's the yeah it's the it's the childhood thing of okay I'm I'm gonna make models of something, but then when you get to a certain age, you can make bigger models of it, and yes. that's you know if you've got the the time and the the space, then yeah you know, we're we're all kids. I suppose it's innocent. It's innocent. It's better than plotting acts of terror or something in his shed. Yeah. So it's got to yeah. be it's got to be applauded. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anyone that does that. <laughs> <laughs> Traditionally, that, that's what's so good about a shed because they're sort of cosy and comforting. But also, traditionally, there are places where things that are quite untoward have taken place. Like in old Hollywood films, people often have a, particularly during Prohibition, people often have a, a whiskey still or something yeah. like that. Or is it they 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 have got a slightly racy side as well, haven't they? Which we yeah. must mustn't forget. Well, there's still going on. There's still we've mm. one of our previous winner, one of our previous winners uh, distilled gin in their shed, and you know, all, all above board. But um, yeah, so sheds can be. It's not just a space; it can be used for anything. Well, very well. Thank you for taking us back to the, the miniature <laughs> pleasures of Babacombe. Um, uh, let's let's move on to to you, Susie. What's the first card on your doormat? This is a rather striking gentleman, I think. Yes, well, this is a picture of um, uh, the French actor Jean-Louis Barrault, who um, I think this is taken in the 50s um, uh, and was sent to me by my friend Lulu, who I think must have cancelled some arrangement that we were meant to have. And um, she wrote, Dear Susie, I found this treasure of photograph today. God, that sounds terrible. My hero and yours. Oh, I feel a bit better now than Sunday and Monday, and I'm sorry if I wasn't very talkative. I didn't feel like talking. Fair anyway, <laughs> anyway, hope we can do something soon, maybe next week. I hope Madeline's, etc., is bearable. Love from Lulu. Madeline's was a lingerie shop that I had a Saturday job in. Oh, oh so this and, is going uh, back a while. Yeah, and it was quite a... Um, it was quite a um, excruciating atmosphere of, of um, kind of lilac and turquoise and lemon-coloured matching bra and brief sets to be sold to the mature lady who I had to be very respectful for and call 
my lady as they came in and it was a, it was a pretty insane job it's a starbucks now that shop anyway uh, that's, it was a, in that, St- that's a safe bet anywhere but <laughs> it, it was how, in old, St. how old were you uh 16 17 it's oh, okay. in st johnswood high street and um anyway um jean-louis barrow we adored from his uh amazing performances baptiste in the film les enfants du paradis which um seemed to represent so many of the things that sort of meant a lot to us there uh again people really suffering for the noble art of entertainment in in the film he plays um, a mime artist who actually based on a real mime artist and who's um so full of sort of life and full of sorrow in a kind of way that would really appeal to you as a teenager. <laughs> my mum and I, I, I my mum brought up five children on her own, quite sort of straightened circumstances. But once a year, we used to go to Paris on the boat train, which uh-huh. took um, you get to Victoria Station at 10 p.m. and get to Paris at about seven o'clock in the morning. So you wouldn't have any sleep or anything. So, it, so you had exciting. proper jet lag to get there. And um We'd always go to the Cirque d'Hiver, which is in um, near the Bastille area, and that was so sort of steeped in show business. And it had a live orchestra, and the the um, the circus itself was in a purpose-built 1850s circus building with kind of stables at the back for horses, and and they had sea lions clapping like in a children's <laughs> uh, picture book. We always sat very high up because. Um, of being skint but they had sort of tigers with whips and people in the front row sometimes got whipped and so it was really sort of um and and they had these clowns who had white court shoes uh male clowns with a sort of two inch heel and and little white sort of hats a bit like fezzes and they were so sort of strange and and then uh, and then they had um chorus girls very very skimpily attired a bit like you'd expect at the moulin rouge and at the end of the first act they'd all um, lift up their skirts and it would spell the French word for interval on the back of their pants. <laughs> <laughs> that, so that's was, something they should bring in a lot more shows, I think. That would be yeah, very Yeah, I think they still, I think the word is entracte. I think they they still do that. So Jean-Louis Barra represented all that. And more than that, in the film Les Enfants du Parody, everyone's in love with the wrong person. Uh, Baptiste loves um, Garance, who's spectacularly played by Arletti. And uh, Garance sort of loves Baptiste, but she's got together with Frederick just because he's a bit more robust and not so soppy. And then um, uh, Baptiste's wife is completely in love with Baptiste, but he's in love. So there's a sort of all this thing of, oh, and it gosh. seemed to me when I was a kid, everyone was in love with the wrong person. You know, <laughs> A loved B, B loved C, C loved A. What could be done? And so he sort of, uh, he, 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 he brought that to mind as well. It's rather a camp photograph of him. He... he um, and the way his hands are, dismay- are displayed to me sort of speaks of some sort of impatience. But um, oh. he also, um, the, the the elephant in the room is that he, my father looked quite like that at that time oh. of the postcard. So there's a, there's a little bit of him there as well. But so I suppose, and I had a, a file of facts then, which I was, which my mum's best friend had given me. And I had, it had a little plastic insert in which I had this, Photograph. So whenever I was writing my homework down or anything, I would he would sort of be there saying good morning to me. So quite a sort of powerful presence in my yes. life then. So when had you seen the film? Um, I think my mum took me to see it at the cinema quite formally, and it goes on for hours and hours. Is it, it's is in, it two in two parts. parts. Yeah. Yeah. And the second, first part is miles better than the second part to my <laughs> mind. Um, and I think I only saw the first part probably until I was quite old, but. Um, yeah. Where would you have uh, seen that? I'm trying to think. We lived in um, sort of Islington, Finsbury Park, so um, I can't imagine it would have been on anywhere local. We would have probably had to have, at, at the very least, gone into the West End. Or um, I can't ever remember a time not of seeing it. I think uh-huh. perhaps it was talked about a lot before I did see it. It's definitely one of my favourite films, and the, the 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 script is by the poet, so everything's very beautifully expressed and 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 a sense that all the all the characters in the film had show business running through their veins but it might kill them kind of thing that it was a sort of dangerous yes. predicament that that spoke to my um 
and neglected in the chorus girl as well. Yes, you'd suffer for your art, but it was worth it. Or you, or you were obliged to anyway, you couldn't help it. Or, or it would be my honour and my greatest privilege of my life to suffer <laughs> for my art. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> Fair enough. But I think it's a great image because I mean, mm. his hand looks like it's a wax hand that's been attached because his arms are at a strange angle. It doesn't look like it's his. And he's got a, a, a far away look in his eyes. Mm. And he's got that thing where the, the left eye looks sort of sorrowful and the right eye looks quite inquisitive. It's, I like when people's <laughs> eyes have different expressions. I think he looks like he's in a sort of ballet studio when he's looking, you know, he's looking at, at the dancers and saying, you know, you're not doing this good enough. You're, he looks quite stern. He looks. Oh, yes. Yeah. I can see he does look like a director. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that. Um... Yeah, and that's where we used to see people. He's sitting backwards on a chair, isn't he? On the yeah. Before it was made famous by Liza Minnelli or, or Christine Keeler, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, this is, this is a... It's the showbiz way to sit. Oh, of course, I always sit like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't get a high court judge sitting like that. You don't get, uh, I don't know, the newsreader sitting like that. But you do, no. you, if, if you're in the, um, the world of show, that's what you do. Yeah, and I, and I think that judge and that, that um, newsreader should think on. <laughs> <laughs> After all, that's cheap glamour, isn't it? Just sitting backwards on a chair. That's easy. Anyone can do that. Yeah. <laughs> no sequins required. <laughs> very good, very good. Now, um, I will just do a quick one of mine now. Um, this is... Uh, this, this, this is of dubious taste, really. It, it's a multi-view. So, um, by which I mean there's more than one image on the card. It's four images of Edinburgh, um, and in the middle is a small boy in a kilt and the whole Scottish outfit with a bonnet with a feather in it, and there's a lame pun, a wee bit scotch. It doesn't even make sense, really. I suppose it means, you know, like a glass of scotch, I suppose. But um, and, and he looks rather... I suppose he looks quite pleased to be there. And you can, you can even see the sort of line between the back cloth of the studio he's been shot in and the floor. Um, mm. This is sent in 1953, so this goes back. This predates all of us. And it's um, sent to Aberdeenshire from Edinburgh um, at 1pm on the 30th of June 1953, since you ask. Um, oh, and it just, it just um, again, it's this thing of the details that actually happen to people on their trips that they bother to write down always intrigues me. It says, My dear Sheila, um, just a PC postcard to let you know that I'm having a lovely holiday. I've, I have seen the Queen six times and the Duke <laughs> eight times. They were really lovely. Um, Stalker alert. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it says, But give you all the news when I get home. Uh, that's from... Elaine, maybe? Not sure. But uh, I just thought, yeah, you, you're hanging around waiting to see them. That's not just a chance encounter no, outside no. Holyrood or wherever it would be. It's very nice, the postcard functioning as a as a sort of um, interim update till the real one comes, isn't it? That, you know, yes. you need to know what my holiday's a bit like now and I'll give you all the details. And I find that very charming as a sort of holding a holding pattern and I, and that postcards say I may be on holiday but I haven't forgotten you and that's very yes. charming as well. Yeah, though I think maybe, you know, Sheila Watt when she received this probably thought I know, I know enough now about your holiday and the, <laughs> yeah. stalking the, the royal family. I don't need you know what what more you're gonna, you going to are you going to itemize each sighting of of the royal family when you get back? I don't know. You um, don't think that she's longing for the slideshow? <laughs> <laughs> I think she's waiting for the bottle of scotch, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, um. yeah. Well, I, in, I mean, the early days of postcards, a very common message, like at the beginning of the 20th century, would be, here's a postcard, I'll be writing soon. So it was an interim before a proper letter. And there was a clear distinction that a letter was a proper thing and a postcard was just a scribbled note. Um, but in this case, she's going to update her face-to-face. -face. I think she's a friend or neighbour who lives nearby in, in Aberdeen. Um Anyway, you know, the Queen and the Duke were clearly very visible. I, I mean, unless unless she, they were there one day and she sort of turned her back and sort of turned it back again eight times to count as eight viewings, I don't know. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Blinked. Yeah. When, it, when I was younger, I used to do quite a lot of um, work with prisoners and 
it was quite a thing that I noticed if you were going on holiday, some of the people would say, would you send me a postcard? And then they'd have it in their cell and it would look sort of flash that they knew someone who'd been to Brighton or wherever you were going. And other people, other prisoners found it really, really tactless and said, don't send me a postcard, it'll just wind me up. And it was interesting that it sort of fell into two different camps. I've never thought of that. So, and and you were a sort of associate of these people. You 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 weren't a friend or a family. You were you were doing some work with the prisoners. Yeah. Gosh, and 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 you you obliged. You sent cards, did you? Well, to the ones who wanted it, yeah. <laughs> Not, Not to the torture whole them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. My but my brother was in prison for a bit, and he wrote lots of people's love letters and uh, got got quite a good reputation in the sort of Serrano de Bergerac. Rank. <laughs> oh, so they were really written as if they were from other people? Yeah, they asked him to because he's got a good turn of phrase. Wow, wow. I can see him now licking his pen, thinking about it. How mm. shall I put this? How shall I put this? Mm. Goodness me. You know, I'd never thought of people sending cards to prison. They could obviously couldn't return the favour. They couldn't send a card saying, having Wish a good time. No, well, quite. <laughs> <laughs> having, a, yeah, having a lovely time in the scrubs. Well, I think do you think that still happens? People still send postcards to prisons. I hope so. I mean, there's, it's so tough being in prison that you think that anything that would, and I don't think people have that much access to phones and internet and stuff. So, I think letters is still quite a big thing in prisons, is my understanding. But I suppose a postcard also does make perfect sense because there's no danger of any illicit enclosures because it's a just a piece of card. Actually, it'd be quite a practical and it's open, so there's no. You know, I suppose you could be saying something in kind of code, but really, it's it's a fairly transparent way of communicating. Oh, there's a whole area I'd not considered postcast to prison. There you go. Another. <laughs> there's another account. chapter from book. <laughs> 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 very good. Very. Good. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good. You're listening to podcasts from the past, the Postcard Podcast, and my guests today are the man behind Shed of the Year, Andrew Wilcox, and writer Susie Boyd. Um, here's a surprise. We've received a postcard. And um, it's a postcard of Leeds. It's a, a multi-view of Leeds showing a sort of municipal building and a tower block in a park and a fountain in a river, lake, lake, I think. Uh, and the card is from uh, Jean Field, of Leeds. Uh, hello, Jean. And it says, um, the answer is mushroom. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Jean. That's the wrong answer. Right, on with the postcard stories. Andrew, what's the second card you've got for us? This is something fairly abstract looking. Yes, I picked this up. Um, when the, my, I, my musical tastes are slightly different i'm i've always been into heavy metal and things like that and a hard rock but in recent years i've i've been listening to a lot of um movie scores and things like that and 
I'm 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 a gamer as well, and game scores, and it's they're, they're, it's beautiful. It's sometimes you know you just sit there and you just listen, and you know I I I've bought in the recent years I bought quite a lot of movie movie scores. Anyway, this postcard was I went to see the composer and former pop uh, star Clint Mansell in Birmingham uh, uh, Philharmonic, and he was playing his film scores and the odd bit of other other musical thing and uh, I was brought to tears because it was his stuff is so beautiful he, it's my favourite piece he does this from a film called Moon which is, came out about 15 years ago it's, it's about uh, a man on, the, on his own on the moon there's twists but it's beautiful, it's lonely it's, but the score just works perfectly with it and I probably listen to that score I don't know every, every month it's always on is this, is this the J- Duncan Jones film I forgot the right it film. is the Duncan Jones film yeah and um, I it's a be- it's beautifully filmed it's a, but it's the score that gets you um, it's it's a it's an amazing thing anyway I went to the to see him with a with an old friend of mine up in Birmingham and these these cards were um, on the in the foyer and, and they were signed and I, f- and I thought oh that's, that's you know and and I it's on my desk where I work and I always look at it and when I look at it I always think of the amazing music we should we, we should l- describe this for the listener well, what, tell me what you can see there because this is not a this is not a, a model village in Babacombe no well if you if you squint it could be but um <laughs> It's, the colours are actually quite similar, aren't they? Yes, yeah. Well, look, I'm next to the colour. Yeah, it's a, it's like a test card, right? Uh, with all you know, a rainbow of colours, and there's some text I can't make out, and it looks like it's on some old TV screen. It's sort of degraded, isn't it? Like it's yeah. off a VHS or something. Yeah. Anyway, oh, the a last dodgy aerial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the last colour reminds me, the black and the little bit of the uh, purple, reminds me after the concert, we went to a local pub and Clint was there with all his family because he's from that area. And we had a few pints with him and we were... And he was a lovely, he was a lovely bloke, really down to earth. And, you know, he was was there with his his whole family. My friend I went with, you know, know, was a fan of his on, on social media and they got to chatting as well. So we... He bought us a pint and a whiskey, and we had a nice conversation. And then he went off to with, with his family, but it, it just—it was a nice bookend to the to his music. You know, yeah. he was a normal, down-to-earth lad, but he produces this, um, you know, heartbreaking music. So this is this is the soundtrack to your life a lot of the time. You have this playing, do you? Yeah, I do have it when I'm working. I have it on in the background, and then some. You know, you know, I I listen to the radio, I listen to the news, but sometimes when I'm if I'm feeling a bit stressed or a bit. I you know, can't think of what I'm working on next. You know, I, I'm sick. I'm sick of seeing pictures of sheds today. So let's have a <laughs> let's have. Yeah, I know. Um, and I just put it on in the background. The moon, moon is the is the the album that always keeps coming up because it's the one I've listened to probably a thousand times. Very good. And well, it's nice to hear that you 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 met someone you admire and found they were they were as uh, as you hoped because you know yeah. it's not always the case. No, and. Uh, Yes, he was. So I, I follow his stuff, and you know, I just hope he'll, you know, hope he'll when he comes if he plays down this uh, down Wales. I'm sure my friend will come from Birmingham to see him. So, you know, it's yeah, he's a he was lovely. Very good, and that's very much the card that kind of you know it's never been sent. It's never going to be sent. It's that little souvenir, it's a little totem, yeah. it's a little memento. Well, memento, that's the word. Yes, yeah, a memento. Yeah, yeah. And you know, was this is the point of this? These postcards are bringing back those memories of a really, you know, meeting my friend who I don't see very often, and just having a a really good time. And you know, well, I'm going to be listening to this album this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love fun, the look. way I love the way the postcard itself looks a bit like a, a picture of a television. You could see if you didn't have a TV, you could sort of have that on the mantelpiece, and if you squinted, you could be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could almost think it was. Have a gramophone on in the background and uh... exactly, and some neighbours doing mime. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I reckon I could have guessed what the story would be for the the Babacom because that's kind of what it's there for. But I wouldn't have guessed from this colour lineup chart 
with a slight degrade on it that 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 this was the story. So look, thank you for unpacking that and 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 um, you know perhaps opening a door on uh, on Clint Mansell's music. Yeah, he's he's a genius. Very good, Susie. You had a last minute substitution, so I, I believe uh, Henry James was pulled off at half time, and 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 this. I don't know what you'd call it. This message card sort of came in, came in at the last minute. But can you, can you first of all yeah. tell us what was going on there with your 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 mindset? Well, um, I w- I was going to have this um, early photograph of Henry James, um, uh, partly because he's been an important figure in my life and explained a lot of life to me, and uh, particularly my life. And so he's powerful. And and funnily enough, in my la- I had a book launch um, about ten days ago. And um, I heard people say, how do you know Susie? And some people said through Henry James and some people said through Judy Garland. And I felt um, <laughs> that that presented quite a diverse front. But yeah, um, you're, you're covering it well. Yeah, Your publisher will then, approve. But then I then I um, I had tried to find this postcard um, and sort of given up. But then when I went for the for my summer holiday to Chichester for one night, I used a, a kind of overnight bag that I haven't used for about 20 years and it was full of old stuff. And, and I found this postcard um, very pleasingly next to an autograph from Donny Osmond. <laughs> wow. So that was, That's that a whole was other quite, story. And there was also some letters I read too, but I thought if I read more than two, it would do my head in. But yeah. in one of the letters, someone accuses, well, someone uses the word precious about me and it's completely oh. ambiguous whether they're saying precious, meaning um, a bit um, sort of fake and fussy or precious meaning valuable and you completely can't tell and 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 that I'd never sort of thought of that and the whole letter if it's the one is read in a very different way from if it's the other so that occupied me for many minutes but I remembered this card very clearly we were living in a a tiny quite um strange house in in um, Finsbury Park and um, it had the Dole office at one end of the street so it was very famous for that reason and um, there was a corner shop around the corner not on a corner as very few corner shops actually are and they had a few cards one of which was this and I think it's meant to be a get well card Um, and I would have been about 16 at this time and I was at school I moved to a different school to do my GCSEs and um, and it was a sort of good change for me. But my home life was a bit insane. Um, I had a lot to deal with, don't want to go into it particularly. And there was a big um, sort of coping consolation and recovery was um, at the forefront of my mind in that I wanted to sort of roll out roll out those things, which I didn't was not seeing much of at home. And I bought this card and, and I sort of learnt it and I... I thought it was, I, I love the name of the author for a start, which is very <laughs> complicated. And I just Googled that name this morning to make sure that that person never existed because it does not sound like a um, like a, a, a real person. But I think um, I had... I had an idea that ingrained in femininity was, was, was the... Uh, was a, a kind of skill of um, making everything better for everyone. Or I, I, I was very late to feminism in life, and I and I saw a sort of woman's role as as smoothing and and and, and helping and curing in a in a, I suppose what um, an armchair psychologist would say was a, a very sort of codependent way. But I did have this. There was a idea about me that I that I um, cheered people and that I knew I was good in a crisis and and I was. Um, I suited a nursy kind of frock, etc., and that, and somehow this card sort of summed all that up. That that that, um, yeah. <laughs> well, we, you'd better you'd better read it to us because the, the the listener is in anticipation of this, really. Well, the poem is called "Her Smile," and it's on a, a pinky lilac card with a a more mauve uh, floral border, and it says. He was worse for a while in the hell of such pain, but a nurse with a smile made him well once again. So whether someone imagined, and it was in the get well section of the card display in this in this little shop. Um, and on the back it says, 
This most succinct 23-word poem, Her Smile, first appeared in print in London on February the 28th, 1978. Although the poem is seen to be a mere octave written in simple anapastic monometer, it is nevertheless a meaningful and highly effective Occidental poem, cut and polished with the brevity of an Oriental poem. The poem, Her Smile in this postcard form, might be sent as a get-well card to a patient in hospital, or, as an appreciation card, it could be presented to a nurse by a grateful patient. Goodness me. So well, it's a postcard a that comes rubric. with instructions. Exactly. Here's what you could do with it. Well, it's sensible, good marketing. And I've it's written a, next to this... Strange... Oh, go on, go on. I've written next to this little explanation in my uh, secondary school, probably fountain pen and arrow, and then, and then the, the question, what are they like? question mark well yes the poem itself is um is is very peculiar isn't it this this he was worse for a while i mean worse than what and worse something's getting worse than i suppose the opposite of getting better yeah i guess you went into hospital you went downhill and and um uh uh, herself uh improved things no end yeah with a smile but and it's, yeah. it's, it's an ambiguity, isn't it? Is it? A nurse with a smile made him well again, or was it with a smile that she made him well again? I know it reminds me our our, our medical practice then. The doctor was very religious, and he had a sign in embroidery on his um, mantle saying, um, the Lord will heal, and we always yes. used to find that not very reassuring. <laughs> yes, yes, and, I, and I'm taking the afternoon off. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> but it, it's a um, bit like one of those embroidered sort of epigrams, isn't it? This is, yeah. It's I meant to be it's propped got, on a mantelpiece, I suppose. It's got faint carry-on notes as well, hasn't it, that, you know, you could imagine someone saying, I bet she did, kind of thing. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Depends on the nurse, yeah. But you can see as a, a teenage p- person... Um, bent on consolation it was a it was a pretty good it was a pretty good match i did find it moving funnily enough quite often i browse in card shops and and buy cards that are completely impossible to send i had one a postcard with pictures of a sort of first world war hero on it saying my thoughts are constantly with you and i've had it for years but i've never felt i could send it to anyone because your thoughts are never constantly with no. just one person or on no. one thing so it felt i haven't quite met the moment yet and i yes. i also have one with a picture of four beetroot of varying colors saying you can beat this which ah oh, that's of course, that's good for most people <laughs> it is good but of course there's always something a bit impertinent about consolation and if someone was yes. genuinely ill we all yes. know the language of sort of fighting a war and stuff oh. is generally unwelcome and a bit crass and so i was trying to think you'd have to send it to someone who'd had a really tiny setback wouldn't you you can beat this like um maybe they'd lost their shoe or something (laughs) yeah yeah or or um a petrol cutting inc- incident. Yeah, well, that would be perfection. If, you, if either of you ever hear of anyone who sustains <laughs> that injury, please let me know and I'll be right there. Yeah, I'll be straight on the line. So you, yeah. you bought it because it spoke to your feelings at the time. You didn't ever expect to send it. No, I, I bought many of them and I did send them to did people. You? I think partly because of the thing on the back, that making it seem less soppy and more bizarre. Yes. Um, and So a hint of irony then as well. Yeah, and the the col- the colouring is very seventies in it is with the with the pink and lilac and um I I I mean I go through boxes and boxes of old postcards and not, not always that old, you know, they're all, they seem yeah. quite new to me. And sometimes you come across these sort of modern sort of religious cards. And they yeah. often have a picture of a I don't know, a gorilla or something, a photograph of and then and a sort of a little line of scripture. And the relationship between the two can often feel a little bit uncomfortable. In fact, if it's not a gorilla, it's normally a daffodils. Daffodils are very... Daffodils seem to get people thinking a lot about these sort of... um, Yeah, I've seen the daffodilly ones, but not the gorillas. I'm now thinking of a gorilla going through the eye of a needle, which isn't quite the the correct text. The postcard I really wanted to find was a picture of some boys crowding round a newspaper um, that my dad sent me when I was at school, and it... Underneath the picture, it said Matron was on page three again. <laughs> and I I hadn't heard from my dad for about a year and a half, and then this postcard arrives, and I'm thinking, what the...? <laughs> and then uh, on the back it said, I'm sure you... Dear Susie, I'm sure you are already, but if not, I thought this postcard would make you the most popular girl at school. Uh, Love, Dad. 
So very good. Yeah, I was pleased to get it, but it was it spoke of a different time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but that's an example of a postcard being a a sort of um, a light way of sending messages. It's not as heavy yeah. as a letter, so easy yeah. to do in that sense. Yeah, you know? yeah. And we, you know, I, when do I put pen to paper to write a letter to people? Never. But I will drop them a line. And sometimes I think it's the it's as much the physical effort is less, but it's also the it's that emotional burden is a bit less as well. I don't and also to... the, the the picture on the postcard is a small present, isn't it? So that so it's not all about the the written communication. Yeah, and it does half the work for you if you choose it right. But do you write letters of condolence? Because those are the main ones I write. <sighs> Ain't that the truth? Yes, I, mm. I, yes, yes, yes. I was going to say when required, but look, that's not. That's mm. of course mm. you only send them when you have to. But yeah. um, yes, that's the. Gosh, is that what letter writing has come to? It probably is. Well, in lockdown, I wrote quite a lot of letters because of having more time and own awareness that people were alone. And I I wrote to some people who, friends of the family, who, when I was 21, gave me a set of five saucepans that I still use. <laughs> and I wrote to them saying, I still use those saucepans, you know, and every single time I use them, I think of you, just thought you'd like to know. And they were, they're now in their late 80s and they were utterly delighted. And I oh, had a great. letter back by return saying, so, so, so glad to hear this. Yeah. yeah. Well, s- stuff can be a symbol of feelings, can't it? And those saucepans mm. are the symbol. That's brilliant. I think now giving a saucepan for a wedding or birthday present is a good idea because I think people do think of you when you use it. If your aim is to, if it's all about you, you're going to get a lot of result from your <laughs> gift. <laughs> yeah, a saucepan might, might even be one of the best. You know, mm. I, I can't think what, what you would use more often because you're going to smash Although a teacup. Once I gave someone a really huge saucepan, um, which was on their wedding list, and she wrote back saying, thanks so much for the saucepan, hope I never have to use it. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's a bit of, you know, jocular way of doing it, isn't it? Very good. Well, look, the, these cards have left me with still, still, still with more questions than answers, I think, but I like that. They they sit there with their their strange, um, un, unresolved meanings. Um Thank you both for for sharing these with me and and with the listeners and with each other. Um, There's a phrase I I, I repeat without apology. I never know where the cards will send us. Um, And I'm really thrilled that you you took the time to to, to dig around and find these cards and and share them with us. Um, Another quick reminder for listeners at home, images of these cards uh, are going to be on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, so you can see... Um, you know, an actor sitting backwards. You can you can consider the notion of a smile curing your ailments. You can have a look at a, a, a cryptic uh, test card, or you can you can indulge in in the tiny pleasures of Babacan Model Village. Um, before we let uh, Susie and Andrew off into the actually glorious sunshine today, I've got one more postcard for you both. Um, normally, I would pass this across to you, but because we're separated by um, the digits. Um, we, I've already prepared an image of it. So there's one last card. Can, can you see the last card on your sheets in front of you at all? This is a sort of oversized card. Um, Andrew, can you tell us? Tell me what you can see. A really nice 1960s office block. I am flat. Is it flats? Apartment block. I think if you had it in front of you, you could see a sign that says hotel, but it's a little bit harder oh, right. to see on the screen. Yeah. But um, yes, yes. Or you were saying you like brutalist buildings, so you're in yep. you're in luck. Yeah, <laughs> it's a sort of huge shoebox, really, isn't it? Very, very yep. regular. Not high rise, but it's five, six floors. Yeah. Um, and well, you know, this is it's not it's not a quiz. This picture is uh, a postcard, which is a gramophone record. So this postcard oh. can be put on a turntable, and you can hear music on it. You see the dot in the middle by room. Yeah. <laughs> second floor room five um <laughs> that's that's the hole for the spindle to go in um now my esteemed colleague tom berry who is very very technically adept has actually put this on a turntable recorded the sound and if we listen carefully we should be able to hear what it sounds like there you go <laughs> I think you need to put your uh, ruby slippers on, Susan. 
So he's singing in Hungarian, since you ask. <laughs> these were very popular in Hungary. A lot of them were produced in Hungary. This one's, this one's in a town called Kecsemet. Um, it's, the hotel is still there. It's a wellness hotel. So what do you reckon? Could you listen to this instead of Clint Mansell, Andrew? Uh, I can listen to anything. when. I... <laughs> Perhaps not as sort of considered and, and introspective. No. no. I may want to put it on reverse and see what he's actually singing. But uh... <laughs> Could well, we have a works outing there? I think so. I think so. I, mean, I always say the same thing. It's pretty good quality for a piece of cardboard. Yeah. Um, this one hasn't been through the post. It's been, well, if it has been, it's been sent in an envelope. Um, right. But it's from the 1960s, so it's, I don't know, 50 years old. And, uh, yeah, the, the grooves are literally just pressed into the that shiny foil on the top of the postcard. Excellent. But it is made of cardboard. Impressive. I, I, I'm quite enamoured by the, the giant um, lamp, you know, street lights. Yeah, because that's quite a long way back, isn't it? It's huge. Yeah. It's got a lot of personality as well, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> well, really. as the concrete hotel continues to rotate at exactly 45 RPM, <laughs> that's it for this time of podcast from the past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, Susie Boyd and Andrew Wilcox. Thank you both. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me, at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.